the Gaming Guru Podcast. He's in the best gaming podcast in the world. Boo baby. Another Gaming Guru podcast. I'm Gareth Woods, and as always, joined by the lovely Tim Lester, who uh, I believe has to tell us this week why it's Tim and a fish. I'm just going to jump off straight in there. So I was in, um, like, a, I guess we we called it post prog, like a rock band back in like the early 2000s called Anifus. Okay. And um, oh yeah, so, okay. And Anifus it was just like a running joke in the band that like we were it was and a fish. And that sounds like. <laughs> in a fist. it was very like like it was very experimental like uh tool inspired yeah. sort of mars volta-ish like uh very over-the-top extravagant music and uh yeah it just kind of stuck and i haven't dropped it since. okay fair <laughs> enough because changing your name on twitter is, is yeah is it's hard it's hard man cool uh, i i did expect a, a more coming of age uh yeah. sexual exploration <laughs> story but so it was there like and and efficient Afrikaans. So it's like translated to English as and efficient. This is a joke on like my old band's name. <sighs> and and now you know. And now you know the secret uh, to to Tim's name on Twitter. For those who who cared enough to ask, um, this week we're actually going to finally get into the topic we want to speak about last week, which yeah. is talking about the um, controllers, the good, the bad, the ugly, the experimental, uh, what we think and uh, where we believe controllers are going. But let's jump into some of the the news bites. Before we do that, I actually want to just thank those who have all been listening, uh, looking at our analytics. It's from all over. Hey, really? it's yeah, yeah. We've got uh, Australians, Americans. Uh, Fuck yeah, we, we seem to be big in Morocco. Huge. Um, I don't know if that's where the bot farms are, or whatever, or if people are actually listening. in. so, thanks to to those who are listening in. It's so cool that uh, two little African boys uh, here in Cape Town can talk about gaming, and that there are. Um, a couple dozen people every week who, who listen in. And so that's very Huge. rad. So thanks thanks to y'all. Let's jump into the news. Um, so update you had from the GTA Casino thing. Yeah, that- so that uh, GTA Online uh, update, which added this huge casino to the, to the world, is unavailable in over 50 countries. I mean, we kind of saw this coming. It was unavailable in South Africa. Um, it's just, it's interesting that... that this whole chunk of content they added is, yeah. is just kind of like locking out a large portion of their player base. Um, it is pretty on the nose. Like yeah. it's, no, I mean, it's a casino. It's literally a Online casino. Game, yeah. What happens at casinos? Gambling. gambling. So there we go. Yes, it wasn't the hardest job for like the online gambling regulators yeah, like, to go like, oh, is this oh, going to be another grey area? Yeah, like, if we got a court about this, yeah. like, bro, it's like a proper casino. Yeah. <laughs> like, the um, the thing that I found interesting is just watching the debate spark on Twitter. I want to say debate, but basically just like baby raging, um, like uh, gamers just going, uh, Rockstar needs to basically reimburse us for oh, the this free content <laughs> because of basically the. Um, it basically comes down to the stuff we deserve, you know, yeah. and have earned. What through being loyal members of the community for so long that we need this, and so therefore need to be reimbursed for not being allowed to because of our governments. And yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of see that. I kind of, I kind of like sympathize with yeah. that crowd because I mean, when you do put your time and energy and money into yeah. a game like 
Red Dead, uh, sorry, not Red Dead Online, um, GTA Online. Yeah. Um, and, and, and these content updates aren't really coming very often. Like, yeah, like yeah. one a year, maybe. You know, people have been asking no, more for, more, than that, but like for they, more heists, yeah, yeah. for more, just more stuff to do. And they add this chunk into the game yeah. and they, and these players feel locked out of it. It's like, well, you know, I want a refund for the time and effort that I put in, yeah. hoping that I'm going to get something from your, from the, the next like notch on your roadmap. You I, I hear you, but you lose me the minute you say deserve or is due to me. Well, exactly. Like, how, do you... like how are you entitled <laughs> To this free stuff that came post the game that launched over like almost 10 years ago. It's like you also, how do you reimburse or at least um, energetically reimburse yeah. someone for um, content that they're locked out of like on your roadmap? Yeah, they didn't pay for. Yeah, like, they, they didn't pay for. It's it's like, sorry, you can't come in. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, our fault. You can't come in. Just so like, can, can you reimburse me? It's like, how about a tap on the back, yeah. man? <laughs> Use anyway. a VPN or something. I don't know how you get... Oh, anyway, so yeah, they're... It seems the GTA um, update is not now there are over 50 countries that can't. So at least our South Africans don't have to feel alone uh, in the, the exclusion. Um, so you want to talk about Cyberpunk uh, 2077? <clears throat> so yeah, um, CD Projekt have announced that every Cyberpunk 2077 player will get the exact same in-game content, which I think is refreshing. I mean, like we've had this past year, we've had so many releases with these, you know, uh, like spreadsheets uh, to 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 let you know what you get with which yeah. version, like the gold, the super gold, ultra edition, which you'll get. You know, you might get a horse, but you also get fucked by the horse yeah, if you yeah. don't. You know what I mean? Like it's, you get two weeks extra game time, but the game isn't fixed, so you only get the yeah. fixed game for forty dollars more. You get like three extra saves, but then you can start the game only at the end, and you have to work your way backwards. <laughs> backwards to the, yeah. Like yeah, the Benjamin Button edition. Yeah. <laughs> The Benjamin Button edition, fucking nice one. <laughs> yeah, cool. so at least it's one of those, like, you, you buy the game, there's, and also, let's be honest, with a lot of these digital versions, it's like, it's the base version, then it's the gold version, then it's platinum, then it's like, super digital deluxe platinum mm. wowie <coughs> edition, and you're like, which is better? Like, is this better than platinum? Yeah, or exactly. Diamond? Like, the, just the, give me all the content, I'll pay the full price. The thing is, people want to, the, I think these systems prey on FOMO, like the fear yeah. of missing out, where it's like, if I buy this edition, I'm missing out on all this other content that someone else is going, and will I get, you know, a full, uh, a, ful- a fulfilling gameplay experience? Yeah. Am I getting everything that I'm paying for? Yeah. You know, and it's that, you know, emotion that tends to, you know, will will upgrade uh, a buyer who might just get standard to go get gold. It's like, well, flip, you know, or, or deluxe. Like, it's only like, you know, 150 rand more on May as well. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, a lot of the um, the incentives that they put into games to do the pre-order, like, you yeah. get this extra mission or, like, you get this extra armor or whatever, a lot of that becomes really odd when it's a, a single-player game because it's, like, a lot of the the bragging, I guess, of buying a day one edition or a pre-super deluxe, wowie, hectic version, whatever, is that you get the pony with the rainbow poop you know because then it's yeah. like everyone can see it but when you're playing a single player it's like no one cares so mm. like it's a single player game like yeah. let people just have it all yeah so um really cool on cd project red they've really kind of been been on the mark when it comes to sort of making their position like vocal mm. uh when when it comes to these types of practices in in like modern gaming yeah, yeah. you know they're you know with the microtransactions they came out they're like no microtransactions yeah. in um, in Cyberpunk. Good, good guy, you know? CD Projekt Red. They're like, 
when you think about this game, think The Witcher 3. Yeah. Like, big-ass game, huge world, maybe some deals. Which is why, let's, Bam. let's go to the movie world and get the biggest good guy we can find, Keanu Reeves, and put him on stage. It's like, it's totally their brand. It's exactly, like just, totally the brand. Just good world, yeah. like, all the time. Cool. So, yeah, they're obviously hiding something, because no one's that good guy all the time. They obviously have a sweatshop somewhere, or... I must <laughs> exactly. be careful next thing. This is, so, like, sweatshop confirmed. Speaking of sweatshops... Um, <laughs> Doom 1, 2, and 3 coming to the Switch. I'm trying to work out the segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of games that make you sweat. <laughs> yeah, uh, hellish ones. Interesting. So, yeah, Doom 1, 2, 3 uh, coming to the Switch shop. Um, lots of fun. I had a lot of fun playing uh, Doom 1 and 2. Fun memories of yeah. those games. Although Doom 2, I felt like that was one of the only games that actually gave me like motion sickness. Oh, yeah? I don't know. Something about... The, it was very quick, firstly. Also, your character didn't really you know, it bounce. Kind of like bounces. Yeah, like, yeah. You, do it like you up kind and of down. float. It you kind like... of do that up and down float yeah. bounce while you walk. And I don't know. something Just something about the way the graphics are rendered yeah, yeah. Um, in that like 32 bits, whatever you call well, it. Well, maybe like, that's what the true hell is. Yeah, it's just sickness. like, you know, shooting... Monsters in Hell and getting motion sickness. I enjoyed Doom Three. That like yeah. I have fond memories of that because it except for the day one patch or mod that someone put in where they decided in the gameplay that you either have a gun or a torch. And <laughs> some guy modded it's like ah screw that I'll just mod the fact you can put your torch into any of your guns like like a normal person. Um, yeah, so so that's uh, the news on that side. Um, what else did we have? We uh, had some uh, Dota 2 International. Oh, yeah, games, yeah. The yeah. International has now, the compendium has reached over $30 million. So it's already... Wowza. The, yeah, it is, has reached Wowza degree. Sure. Uh, now, uh, $30 million is, of course, the richest Dota 2 International. It's also the richest esports event prize pool in the history of the human race. <laughs> um, I think like every like, year, I feel yeah. like it, it hits that. You know, I remember in like 20... Uh, 2015, 16 or something and reached like 11 million and it was like, holy yeah. shit balls. And that, <laughs> and that will continue to be used as the comparator to why esports hype is real. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like a once a year event that's funded by the people but yeah. like they'll keep comparing it to it's bigger than the World Cup. It's bigger than the bloody NBA. Like... Yeah, I guess, you know, I was I was wondering, like, how is Dota growing? I mean, I guess people just chucking more money at their compendiums, like, year on year? Yeah, so they, they do a lot of work in terms of trying to add value to the compendium. Um, they also subtly make it harder to level outside of buying levels. Oh. Um, you know, you still do normal, like, grind your compendium. I mean, I bought a level one compendium, and I think just through playing the games, I got to about level 70 or 80. But then they've added some really, really sweet... Uh, arcanas so like they're like those like really cool skins but that you can't buy okay and so they've had multiple there's like um uh, they've now got these things called personas so it's like it's a hero but like in a different format so like invoker's now got a baby yeah i saw that and you see they're probably going to do gender bends you're going to do like like female invoker or whatever and you can do all these sort of things now but they make them as unpurchasable except through your except through compendium okay so it becomes like levels I mean, for me to go from level 90 or whatever I am to 300 to get the Earthshake Arcana is like 2,000 Rand. Sure. And so you like, some people are just like, cool, yeah. just, just swipe. The amount of people I've heard it going like, oh, you know, I really, I, I want to get that little Aegis you get from, um, from getting level 1,000. So they've just like, you know, just as, a, as a moment, they've kind of like dropped the four grand or whatever you need Flip. to get to level 1,000. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so... Uh, good on them. They they're, they're <coughs> making um, they're growing the esport. I don't know uh-huh. that 
the amount of play, the player base is growing, but certainly the excitement around international every year is just always there. I know as a person who kind of floats around the game throughout the year, but when competing comes down, like everyone just drops their wallets and they uh, get involved, which is kiff. Um, yeah. And uh, then PUBG, the announcement uh, yesterday that um, uh, servers are coming to South Africa for, for mobile. mobile, <coughs> mobile um, yeah, so I don't know if that's a step in the direction for us eventually getting um, you know, the regular you know, PC, PlayStation, Xbox uh, servers as well. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be included. It means that there must be a player base. I think there's a, a big uh, mobile player base yeah. in PUBG in South Africa. Dude, um, the, people always forget about the mobile games, but like... And, you know, say like, oh, Fortnite's crashing PUBG on mobile. Like in, in China, PUBG is like ridiculous. I mean, sure. I, when I went to Bali, you know, just as a small example, you drive past all the internet cafes. They've all got adverts about like PUBG wow. mobile tournaments happening, whatever. Wow. It's like the game of choice there. Sure. Yeah. So I think they're also like us, um, mostly a mobile internet <coughs> usage country. Uh, and then that's the game of choice from a competitive point of view. Because they probably haven't tried Dota Underlords yet, which you should totally try. Hey. <laughs> yeah, into the tournament last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going well so far. I'm in no, the upper nice. bracket uh, quarterfinals. Well, so we'll keep, uh, we'll keep going. Here we go. Uh, my new addiction. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into the conversation we tried to have last week, which was um, game controllers. Game you controllers, know? input devices, those those things where you push the things and the stuff happens. And the stuff happens. The, the, yeah. the stuffy, makey, thingy machines, uh, as they yeah, used to be so, never called. I mean, I thought it was an interesting topic to have because, you know, as as gaming technology evolves and, uh, you know, consoles uh, have a, you know, big role in, um, in expressing the identity of the brand, you mm. know, and together with that comes the controllers. You know, we were thinking about a time where maybe the controller might not exist, where your... Um, where hand gestures could yeah. be, you know, could be the, the next stage, but... I don't think that's going to happen with uh, with brands like let's say Nintendo and Sony, where their controllers are so kind of integral to you know their to that identity and therefore their player base. You know yeah. when you when you're comparing things like Xbox players and PlayStation players, they're like, no, dude, I can't you know I can't even pick up and every time I touch an Xbox controller, like I want to throw up. Honestly, I can't stand <laughs> yeah, having this. Like you know so what I mean? It's, yeah, it's it's so so. There's a lot more that goes into it. I think if that even if those technologies exist, we'll see the um, the controller being sort of a feature part of these consoles. But rewinding the clock back, yeah, yeah. to sort of like where this where this all started, you got the Atari in. Um, the Atari joystick in 1977, so it was a CX-10. Where, where did you jump on board? Like, what was the first controller you remember? The first controller that I remember was that controller, oh, yeah. actually. I didn't... The square uh, guy with a little literal joystick sticking yeah. out the middle with a red button. Exactly. Yeah. There was a, the significance of it is that this was... The, the, there had been, I think, a um, controller before, but it was analog. This is the first digital controller. Okay. Um, and it kind of created the um it was the it was the the starting sort of source mm-hmm. and recipe for like almost every other controller that came be- that came after yeah. it you know you got your input button and you got some some kind of directional yeah, input yeah, yeah. so so all the all the sources there already and everything else after that is just kind of like a remix um got it's just crazy that like you legitimately had one button the yeah. like reset and and all the other stuff and start and options were all like on the controller on the actual console yeah. like to switch it off and choose your game and yeah so i mean that was i i didn't have an atari but i remember my uncle coming over and bringing and bringing it like vague memory it's literally just like this muddy 
like a wooden inlay on it. Yeah, um, and I think we played Space Invaders, and the um, the cartridges were like cassette tapes, right? As far as I can remember. And and yourself, like you? Yeah, that was my first one. I mean, I've actually got a tattoo of of that particular controller uh, on on my arm. Yeah, super fond memories. Dad was a bit of a gamer, or at least had an interest in it. Um, which I think we chatted about before has its pros and cons because on the pro side that like means you have access to that stuff but on the con side you couldn't go oh I need the new uh, SNES because the <laughs> NES is broken it's like no it's not like <laughs> no, and it's you can play all exactly so <laughs> it'll never break yeah <laughs> yeah so um, for me I mean I, the first console that I had was the was the NES but that only sort of came out around like the legit NES because in South Africa yeah. you've got to like explain that because because of isolation, a lot of brands we didn't get, for example, like Nintendo. Mm. So most people that I know had the Golden China, like from Reggie's. Yeah. It had like a maroon and gold kind of uh, color sort of setup. Same cartridges as the mm. um, as the uh, NES, but um, and similar design in terms of very square controller with the... It was like the maroon, gold, and cream. Yeah, yeah. I that think was, that's what I had. Oh, yeah. That's what I had. Yeah. Not the legit NES. So, it's not, the purple so, that, and, so that wasn't actually no, Nintendo no, products. No, sorry to... Oh, man. Burst Fuck your bubble. <laughs> like, no, that was, wow. That was, that was knockoff. <laughs> My life is a lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was knockoff. But I think sure. every South African had that because to have a proper NES, you had to, for one, uh, basically have someone go buy it overseas sure. and then because of the power setups um you'd have to have the right adapters for the you know okay. our power here and then worse was that the uh, cartridges were region blocked so we oh, are a pal region and i mm. think they're an ntsc region mm. and so if you got games from america they still wouldn't work on your oh, tv unless your tv dude. had the dual settings and very few tvs in the 80s could do both pal and yeah. uh, ntsc so well, yeah, so the, so I guess we'll, we'll get to the NES in terms of kind of its significance, uh, controller wise. So between the Atari and the NES, you have this period of like the, the late, uh, 1970s where, um, like gaming technology was kind of at its infancy and, you know, they were still trying to work out like what worked, what didn't. There yeah. were, there were a couple of controllers that came out. You had the, um, the Mangavox Odyssey, uh, with, which had now um, uh, eight directional joystick, you know, it was a slight upgrade from the from the Atari. Then you had a couple of uh, of um, machines in between there, between like um, seventy eight and like uh, and like the eighties, with these controllers that looked very similar to like a TV remote. Oh, yeah. Where you had like a full numpad on there, like. They looked like um, like a like a like a phone receiver, yeah. you know. Like I don't I don't know what the <laughs> the, logic the, the idea. logical idea was behind it, but you had these, uh, you know, your 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 numpad on it. You had a directional pad that you could that you could use, and then on the sides you had some side buttons, yeah. which was the first time that you know someone had added extra input buttons. You had like two buttons on the right for yeah. if you were right-handed, and two buttons on the left oh, if you were left-handed. Okay. You know, so I don't know if they did if you could you know, bind them to do different things in the game. It's like, well, you know, they added some buttons on the side. And I was like, well, fuck, what if they're left-handed? Well, let's put some more buttons on the other side. side. So, it's only going to cost money. Yeah, so that's kind of... Um, those didn't last too long. There are a few versions of that. And then it re- the controller, the way we sort of know it today, sort of took form really with the um, with the, the NES, which added the, 
that plus button, which is your D-pad, mm. and then you had your A and your B. I think it was also one of the first on the times right. when, like, you suddenly were holding the controller still the way we hold it now. You know, yes. like, if you think of Atari, you were, you were, like, positioning the controller, like, on the base of your hand, and your other, only your one hand was moving. Yeah. Your other hand was the base. Now, you were using the, kind of, the palms of your hands as the base, and you're using your thumbs on both hands. Yes. yes. Kind of for the first time. So, it kind of opened you up to, um, to make more use of the controller with both of your hands. They also added the select and start buttons yeah. to the controller itself. Yeah. So, not like on the, on like the actual console. system. And uh, for me, yeah. So, that was kind of my, that was where I got a lot of my early gaming done was on this fucking Reggie's knockoff <laughs> asshole <laughs> uh, machine. That you only discovered you did, like, today. Yeah, so, and then um, 1986, you got the Sega Master System, which was similar to, to Nintendo. It was yeah, kind of like Sega's, eight, eight Sega's bits, answer, yeah. also 8-bit console. And then I got the Genesis eventually. Um, 88 was when that came yeah, out. And that, was, that, was, that was pretty huge in South Africa because yeah. there was no grave market knockoff no exactly was like so a lot Sega, of kids yeah. had a lot of kids had oh, the lucky and, ones jeez i never had to go actually go make friends it was actually you know what like so the sega genesis that i had was it was a friend of mine from australia that yeah. um, i grew up with and we were at school together and it was his genesis and then he left to go back to australia with his family and then he actually mailed it to me oh, when he got his, when he got his um his playstation one yeah and so i just got a package with a fucking Sega Genesis nice. and just like a ton of games. Jeff Matt. Yeah, I was a cool guy. And then I like took it to America and like forgot it there. Oh, lame. I still have one of the controllers though. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's over there. Um, just for the... Yeah, the, the, the system feels. I think is like at my like ex's like mom's place in Houston <laughs> or something. It's somewhere there. Kind of sad. Um, yeah. But it just kind of did spend a lot of its time on the shelf. But yeah, so that was where I did a lot of gaming. I mean, that was where we had like, like fucking Echo the Dolphin. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Sonic, yeah, of course. Sonic, just slamming that Sonic. Uh, we had also Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So MK2 I had... MK2 was big on that, yeah. So I think Sega Genesis, they had um, they had two controller versions. They first had the three-button controller, yeah. the ABC, which was definitely an upgrade from um, our NES, which uh, just had those two-button mm. inputs. Uh, they upgraded to like a six button as well. So you had your A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And when you were playing games, like fighting games, like for instance, uh, Mortal Kombat, those X, Y, Zs, they worked out to like your high kicks, high punch. Mm, mm. So you didn't have to do the extra inputs like forward A, forward yeah, yeah. So when I was playing against my sisters or something, you know, if we come, let's play Mortal Kombat, I'd give them the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> three button controller. Yeah, three button controller and just like... You're just going to be mashing the buttons anyway. Yeah, totally. So... um so that's six button controller. I mean, you still get versions of that today, right? Yeah. yeah. With, Especially with... if you go buy like try and buy a controller for your PC. Yes. Like the typical six button um, batarang shaped. Because um, yeah, it was like the controller was now people realizing that the square, you know, horizontal remote style of the NES wasn't that conducive to like an ergonomic yeah you know hold. I mean, I remember for one. Any of those games that required um, rapid button pushing, yeah. like uh, the classic on NES was the Olympics game where you had yes. to like, sprint. You give yourself such crazy blisters because know, the buttons right? were so <coughs> high up off the controller and, hard. and so and round like, and so them. hard. Exactly. Like, whereas now buttons were becoming like a much like kind of closer to the, to yeah, the controller. Yeah, more, more flush with the yeah. controller. Um, and oh, where was that? Oh, yes. Yeah. So that, uh, that six button design, I think 
we're still finding that in uh, in fight sticks now yeah. at the moment. Um, it made its way into uh, into arcades, yeah. and those you know fight sticks is kind of like just a graphic match of what you find in no, the arcade, arcade yeah. with your with your six buttons uh, or eight buttons in some cases and your joystick. Yeah, and uh, I think that really influenced um, a large sort of a portion of the like input device controller yeah. generation. Well I, well, I think the other thing is that the. Um, you know, now we're using analog sticks and you tend to be putting the top of your thumb onto the top of the analog stick. But we've shown that you don't get as much control versus like when, when you hold a joy uh, stick button, even if you're holding it like uh, on top of the joystick or you're holding it between your fingers like a, like a pen, mm. um, you're getting f- f- so much more quick reaction control than when you, you know, using your thumb. Your thumb's kind of like a little bit janky, to be honest, in mm. terms of like micro uh, movement, which is sure. why you're seeing a lot of the controllers... Um, the analog sticks are so cl- short mm. they you're getting all these control freak kind of like buttons that actually make the length of the analog stick longer yeah because then even the slightest you know like big movements end up being very very small movements uh-huh. and so you can make kind of like precision aiming shots a lot easier because you know you're making a very big movement with your thumb is now only becoming a slight movement and so you can you know make them the sensitivity of the controller much higher so I guess one of the more famous controllers then would be the PlayStation One in '95, which added four bumpers to the back. Yeah, and you have that um, uh, kind of that classic uh, like what what kind of shape would you call this? It's like the professional driving like steering wheel. It's like the first time it, it starts looking like a, if you look at Formula One race car yeah. steering wheel, where. Um, and I I w- want to think that's where a lot of the design philosophy came from. Is that like you know, those steering wheels, they've got all the, you know, the, obviously the steering wheel, they've got the buttons in the front for guys to change gears, but they've got a lot of stuff on the kind of yeah, what you call your trigger behind. fingers, like mm. ready for you to play. And if you look at the pro controllers, they'll add even more triggers at the, at the back, at where your kind of ring finger and pinky are as well. Like, I think we're realizing, I don't know, through evolution, is that like, if, if the controller fits nicely into the, the palms of your hands, it frees up your fingers. Whereas in like the past, those square controllers, because they weren't so economic, you literally needed your fingers to yeah. hold the things. To hold it in yeah. place while you push the button. Yeah, but now because the things are fitting like quite firmly like grips into your hand, you, you've got your fingers free to be able to use. And I, if I, memory serves, PlayStation was the first one to have these kind of um, index and middle finger triggers, you know, the R1, R2, yes. R1, L2 buttons. Yeah, um, I remember they did have the triggers. Um, well, they didn't have the trigger yet. If oh, no, not the triggers. Yeah, no, it was just the shoulder, shoulder yeah, buttons. Yeah, the shoulder buttons. So I think... PS2 and Xbox were the first to do the like it's okay, a proper yes, trigger. The proper triggers. And I think that's where um, Xbox kind of like took off. Hey, yeah, it really yeah. like helped with Halo. And I think it's because it was the first time you were really seeing first person shooters on on console. Mm. And so, you know, the triggers are more natural kind of. Let's be honest, what first person shooter doesn't use uh, L2 to aim and R2 to fire? It's like exactly. became this natural instinctive. Um, kind of yeah. gaming trope that R two is is you know pull the trigger. I specifically remember those um, those Xbox controllers. The triggers like feeling really nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the way, like in fact, nicer than uh, than the ones that we find today on 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 PlayStation controllers, where they they were slightly bigger. The um, uh, that bounce back you yeah, get from the proper was, trigger feel. Yeah, yeah, it really felt nice. It felt like the kind of trigger you'd find in the arcade actually. Yeah. Yeah, and all those like time crisis and those sort of like gun games. Yeah, so I mean, 
Xbox really sort of came up alongside um, alongside PlayStation <clears throat> with some really um, with some really smart designs that kind of like I guess polarized gamers in a way. Yeah. Where like I felt you know locked into PlayStation controllers. Where you know when I moved over to an Xbox and my these joysticks are like oh yeah uh, they're not are, uh, symmetrical yeah, yeah yeah they're 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 bitchy tati you know <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> So it's looking over year and over year. Like, but, but what's interesting is how many people like quote that as one of the biggest wins or pros of the of the Xbox over the PlayStation is that like the the symmetry of the PlayStation controller. A lot of them quote is like it's not natural. Like yeah. your your left hand that button you know that analog stick you want it to be higher you know for mm. your player movement and the right lower for aiming. Um, whereas you know like the Xbox has always been at that kind of like asymmetric um, kind of level. I remember the other big thing was that the, them separating the D-pad. Yes. Because on the Xbox originally, what I hated the most was that D-pad was a disc. Yeah. And so getting precision uh, inputs, especially in fighting games, you know, if you wanted like yeah. up, up forward, you'd end up going like 45 yeah, degree. Pushing a whole bunch of other exactly. random inputs. Yeah, 100%. And so, so yeah, so was it, did Xbox split up the D-pad or was it? PlayStation split up the D-pad. PlayStation's always had the D-pad split up, if I remember. Xbox yeah. had the disc in the yes. 360, and then it like switched up later. Now it was actually Xbox that first introduced, I think, uh, the two the dual joysticks to the controllers. They did it before before PlayStation did it. Very cool. I don't actually remember. I never had an Xbox original. Um, mm. I had an Xbox 360 and a PlayStation 3, but um, and those obviously had the split. But the PlayStation Two and that I'm um, PlayStation One. I was so weird about going back to it when those um, those legacy consoles came yeah. out. All of a sudden, there's like no analog sticks. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what happened? Like <laughs> controlling the camera, doing other stuff, all on the D-pad. And except for fighting games, the D-pad basically become a way to like access your your, your, menus inv- and stuff, your inventory, yeah. your menu, or like switch up abilities on the fly. It's never been like for aiming or, or moving your character like in a long time. Like I still use the D-pad uh, when I play uh, modern fighting games. Today. Yeah, yeah, I can't play on the analog sticks. Yeah. but that's what I'm talking about. Where it's yeah. so hard with the thumb well, to exactly. do precise movements. So it's 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 kind of weird when you know, like you said, this uh, what PlayStation Classic just came yeah. out, and you're going back to this old version of the controller that like we've all moved on from. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. great when it happened, but it's only because we didn't know any better. Yeah, you know, we and didn't I, know that life would get better than that, and it did. And I suppose that's what you know you look at some of the the tech that comes out, you know, later and later, and there are like experiments that work and those that don't. Because I mean, you know, we we're talking right now in terms of our chronology of the kind of Xbox PlayStation era, but like the Wii is about to launch in the story and that changes up everything. And then with that comes the Wii U and that changes things up. But like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, And we go, we look back and say, let's be honest um motion controlling in some way shape or form is here to stay yeah you know it and it's not, been here for a long time yeah but it might not be time. the be all and end all like people want to i still feel have a controller they don't just want to gesture everything but like throwing gesture controls into a game is here like yeah it's, it's, totally especially look at games like um what is it? uh detroit become human yeah. and heavy rain all that we like gesture controlling they try and make it instinctive so you don't even mm-hmm. feel like you you know doing this naff like uh semaphore like flag waving dance yeah, you are yeah. legitimately opening a door by doing a gesture that's similar to opening a door sure. um but yeah let, let's jump onto the Wii because i think you know as i yes uh, yes uh, a little prelude it does it did sort of change everything up and yeah like, i think as much as the other consoles 
they they do slight iterations on their um, their controller. Nintendo have kind of got in the habit now of going the new controller design layout feel um, tech is as part of a new console yes. um, as the console itself. Yeah, so that's where I think like Nintendo really um, separate themselves from the pack in terms of you know. The PlayStation controller, I expect the PlayStation 5 controller to look similar to PlayStation 4, just, yeah. just a bit like a, a bit snazzier, maybe a bit more uh, tech involved. But with Nintendo, they seem to like reinvent themselves every console. Yeah. And their, their identity isn't really, you know, um, th- their kind of, uh, uh, kind of console identity is locked into that console yeah. itself, you know, and tracing back like each one is different and they're always trying new things sometimes it's a hit sometimes it's a miss but they've always managed to create a space in themselves where they say it's okay to experiment and play yeah you know but i would say that 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 um philosophy took hold more seriously from the wii yeah because beforehand like let's be honest the n64 was a different ish looking um console the the gamecube as well but like still very much in the lines of we're just going to make a fun version of what current yeah. kind of controller tech is at the time. It was like everyone was doing that sort of like, um, like we said, steering wheel style. They made it with a trident with this like weird like prong yeah. down the middle. GameCube as well. It had these like weird sort of like extra attachments at the bottom for, yeah, for the analog Sega stick. Saturn also looked like an absolute Walkman. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like it was weird, but it was still a controller. Yeah. Whereas now suddenly the Wii comes out and it's these two. It's a wand. It's two wands. Yeah. That you like. The one's got a little. A the Wiimote. Button. They gave it its own name as yeah. well. It's not a the controller. One, yeah. It sounds like someone with a lisp or something trying to say remote. Yeah. Elmer Fudd trying to say remote. And you've got like um, the analog uh, controller on the one side and then the buttons on the other and obviously mm. everything gesture controlled and uh, then and then also all the accessories you could get yeah you, know, you could stick it into like the, the fishing rod thing, or a gun or rod. a tennis racket or yeah and and they had these ways to augment the controller i think like that was one of the most um that was just such a great time for uh, uh for consoles because it was just so different yeah and it was so you know when, when i went to a mate's house i had a wii i was like fuck yeah. <laughs> it was a mind blown because, you know, up until then, I, you know, hadn't had that type of, like, yeah, interactive family console I, experience. I loved my Wii. I ended up getting rid of it purely because of the limited library. Because it's like, you know, they have great games, but you'd go to whatever your gaming shop was and you'd see Gears of War and Mortal Kombat and all these other titles and the other ones. And you'd be like, cool, I've got, yeah, I've got Mario and Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2 were phenomenal and mm. super stoked I got to play those. But it was one of those... I also want to play all the hardcore games, you know, and so... And Wii Sports. Yeah, and so, like, it's great to have the Wii over. I mean, friends over and you play the Wii and all that, but, like, you also just want to, when you buy yourself, jam some, like, you want to, you know, fuck shit up and blow blow up aliens, and you can't really do that on, on most of the Wii titles. They kind of, especially on the Wii, didn't have a lot of third-party support, especially yeah. for, like, anything a little bit more, like, rated R sort of stuff. I know Resident Evil 4 was on there, but other than that, it's like, wasn't a lot. Do you think uh, Nintendo have used kind of a lot of what they learned from the success of the Wii? Do you, th- do you think um, that, you know, all that stuff's present in the Switch? I would say it's less that what they learned from the Wii, but more what they learned from the Wii U. Uh-huh. Because, like, I mean, it's that old trope of, like, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. They won with the Wii. And so they're yeah. kind of like, we didn't really learn much because everything yeah. we did was a rampant success. 
they failed hard with the Wii U, especially in comparison to the Wii. Mm. And I think that's where the success of the, the Switch came out, was like the lessons that they learned from, um, from the Wii U. So what, so what lessons do you think that uh, I think imme- they I think immediately the they're going with the fact that like the, um, they like the idea of the portability of the Wii U gamepad, but the, um, the asymmetric experience between like the person on the, on the pad versus the person playing on the, on the TV, like that didn't really work. Integration of second screen was kind of janky as well. Mm. Um, it was like your inventory management and that's kind of cool, but like they didn't quite nail that. Um, I think what they landed with the with the switch was really the ability to find that gap in the market between the rampant growth of mobile, mm. um, which was dominated, I suppose, on cell phone, iPad games, and then the the PS Vita, mm. um, but then still having the ability because they knew that it's hard for people to drop the cash on a mobile platform when um, they can do that on their phone. And so, and they still want a family console. So I think that's the major thing they landed on. And that's not really a controller answer. I think what's, what's scary is how powerful that Joy-Con is. Sure. Like what it can do. Like wow. the, um, if you get the one, two, three switch, it's basically just a set of tech demos that come with the, don't come with the game. You can buy it, unfortunately. But like, um, I think you, no, I think you, you, you do have to buy it. You don't come with the game, uh, with the console at least. The, the tech demos in there show how powerful sure. the controller is. Like there's this one that like blew my mind where you have to, um, it's imagine a box. So I've given you a matchbox and I put a random amount of um, like, I don't know, ball bearings inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to kind of shake and feel this matchbox and then tell me how many are in there. You do that with the switch. So mm-hmm. it's randomly generated a number. And then you sit there like rolling the controller in your hand and you can feel as it gets too far to the side, they all like clang, 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 hit each other. And, and it feels back. like that in your hand. And it feels Fucking like the way it's, hell, And like dude. if you play a couple of rounds, you can, that's four, that's five, that's three. Like you can tell. It's wow. so, so good. That like is the, amazing. And that's the micro rumble controller, the accelerometer. All good stuff Lord. In when we went to get a demo on, um, what's that thing? The Labo. When yeah. it first came out. Also, what's in there? I mean, you chuck in your two uh, Joy-Cons onto this little buggy that you've created, and it's using the infrared camera. You put this thing in a full-ass dock. They put a big dome over everything. So, the, you know, you can't see what you, your little uh, uh, thingy, uh, your, your construction. Um, you've just got your Switch actual gamepad here. But you open it up, and you can see the little infrared camera. And it's there, you know, the typical, like, black light, green, you know, like, Navy SEAL sort of uh, black yeah, yeah. sort of vibe. And he's... He is walking through the green screen as he gets close to something, like you can move around it, you sure. know. Wow. Um, and that, that little infrared camera is inside the, uh, the Joy-Con. Joy-Con. And so, you know, when you see like, oh, my Joy-Con broke and i got to get a new one. Oh, a thousand bucks for a new one. Jeez, that's like a whole PlayStation remote. And yeah. <laughs> you, but if you know what tech's in there and how sure. it's in a thing the size of like, geez, uh, almost like a Kit Kat finger. I know, right? Yeah. The things are tiny. Yeah. Always... When I played them, it was like I felt like I was going to break them. Yeah, when you, <laughs> when you so, have to play like a two-player game, you each get one little controller. One little yeah. thing is, you know, your hands are like together like this. Um, that's that's quite interesting. I mean, compared to like, let's say, the gyro inside a PS4. Whenever my PS4 remote like vibrates, I literally feel like it's a gyro spinning. Yeah. Like it's going to flying up my hand. We all know that scene from, um, is it, uh, well, any of the GTAs really. Yeah. When, you, when you get it on. If you've got that controller like on the table or something, it's something going to take off. You're yeah, running away. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I guess what would you say uh, your favorite your favorite controller is like looking back at kind of all the systems you fucked around with? Yeah. So like 
uh, obviously got fond memories of the Atari because it's just like, you know, feels and all that. But if, if I'm honest, in terms of controllers that really um, stood out for me, the, the Xbox 360 controller I thought was like a legit controller. I like a bit of weight. My one complaint really of the PS3 one was that, you know, I had both consoles and you jam some Xbox and you pick up your PlayStation controller and it felt like, felt so light like and cheap plastic. and light and all that sort of stuff. And when I've had the opportunity to play with more recently the Nacon uh, PS4 Pro controller, it allows you to put these weights in. Because some mm-hmm. people like that like weightiness. That feeling, you know. It takes me back to like playing on fight sticks. Like they are heavy. They're like you yes. put them on your lap and it feels like like there's a, <laughs> there's something on your lap. It's not because... Yeah. Um, uh, I think though what's going to be interesting is as we move towards, you know, you mentioned motion controlling is here to stay in some way, shape or form. But I felt personally like when you play quite a bit of VR or any of these sort of motion control games, you do get to the point where like it's laborious. We've yeah. also trained up 20, 30 years of micro um, kind of thumb and, and finger movements yeah. that like, you know, we are a generation with these tiny nuanced like um, abilities in terms of like controllers you know yeah, we, we yeah, are yeah. good at these sort of things because we've been learning how to do been doing it for, it for ages for so long and it doesn't it's exacerbated or it made better by the way we type on our cell phones like yes you pretty much true. type like, we're also the kids that grew up with before touch screens I mean yeah. you typed entire messages like under your desk while looking at the teacher dead in the eye yeah exactly because you knew like three taps of the C button of three gave you this letter and four taps like you could tap on time message and knew that it was spell checked 100% yes because like you, you're used to the those sort of micro movements now you chuck someone into a, you know a gesture controlled game and it's just like it's just a lot of effort yeah, and so it's true. that weird space now where we go yeah we want to make it um, engaging we want to make it like intuitive yeah. but at the same time like you, you, you're comparing it to the ease of just using a controller like yeah. you play a, a virtual reality game and a bullet comes towards you and like oh I've got a duck but I've got to physically duck as opposed to pressing the duck button yeah. you know what I mean it's that I yeah. think that's the kind of like cross section we're at at the moment I think when it comes to when I was playing a bit of VR um, I played VR games where you know you've got the headset on but you're still using the controller oh, okay. yeah, yeah. which I like because um, it's you know particularly with VR which can feel a bit like overwhelming mm. Um, but then at least it your input, you. your inputs yeah. is like it's 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 grounding because this is something familiar. Yeah. Some of my hands know exactly where they need to go and what they need yeah. to do. So you're basically just moving the camera. Yeah. So it's from it's, a VR perspective. Exactly. Everything so else it's is re- game. so it's like relaxing because it's uh, because it's familiar. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because um, yeah, some of the games now, particularly the ones that integrate more of the ones, mm. so like the PlayStation, for example, using the ones. Um, like there was one recently called um, Blood and something. I can't remember the name even, but it's like it's one of those you want to holster your guns. You're taking the wand and like putting it into the side of your hip, and then if you want to like switch guns, you're like reaching to get it. Over but like your back, yeah. if you're not reaching at the right spot for the camera to recognize that you're reaching, then you're just like flailing your gun around like some sort of <laughs> lunatic, you know. Uh, whereas yeah. Whereas on a controller, you would just press like cycle through your weapons, bring up the HUD, like bring up the weapon menu. Like. Oh, exactly. And so, yes, it's less immersive, but it's far more like an enjoyable gaming experience. And so that's, that's difficult, you know? I'd say going forward in, you know, the future of, let's say, cloud gaming, you know, mm. Stadia have, um, Google have put a lot of uh, research and development into their own Stadia controller. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like this is a space where we'll see other brands trying to enter the market with their own controllers. Um, I know that uh, Steam had their own, yeah. you know, controller for a while, which the, which I don't know whether it's you know took off anywhere or if it was just kind of like, um, like a self wank project. <laughs> like yeah, we have some games that yeah. need controllers on your PC, so let's have our own controller. Yeah, exactly. Um, you'll find uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, more modern. Uh, mobile gaming sort of making controllers redu- redundant yeah. in a way with, with with the power of touchscreen having yeah. all the controls on there and yet even then you've got these like kind of docking stations yeah, you put your cell phone stations. into and they have these almost mechanical pad fingers that like you yeah. press the button and this pad literally you know drops down and touches where your thumb would have touched it's just it's easier to press the button to do that and have a mechanical finger press the screen than to actually move your finger and Press so, the screen, obscuring your view. So I guess what I'm, what my question would be, with, with sort of like that in mind, um, do you see the identity of like, uh, I guess, controllers or consoles, sort of like um, diluting or evaporating in the next like uh, twenty years as cloud gaming, you know, as gaming sort of becomes like more, I guess, decolonized by yeah. like moving off. I think okay. into cloud yeah. spaces. So let's look. A major trend in gaming is the democratization of like what people want. Yeah. Okay. And so you go. I think what's far more likely is that you're going to have a lot of independent third parties step into the space. I mean, just look at the pro controllers. Razer has a pro controller for yeah. the PS. Um, PlayStation has like uh, with Nacon, they've got a pro controller. Like a, a lot of people are coming up with like variations that are officially licensed. Some are not officially licensed, but let's be honest, the tech's been around long enough that they can design a controller that plugs in by a USB port and it works. Yeah. And so the tech's becoming less and less, uh, it's like demystified. So what I reckon is going to happen is you're going to have either through the console manufacturers themselves, customizable co- uh, consoles, or you're going to have people able to retrofit or create their own third-party, um, whether licensed or not, controllers, and as I say that, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that, like, look at all the stuff that Xbox has done for um, handicapped players. Sure. Like yeah. adaptable controllers. They look like drum pads come, like, all sorts of, like, weird rigs so you can play with your elbow or, wow. like, your wrist. You know, if you don't have a hand, like, like in your wrist kind of stump sort of thing. Amazing. Like, and that's really about just going, hey, whatever suits you. I think we've grown up with, like, this is the controller, the one and only way to play this game. Yeah. And people are going, that doesn't need to be. You mean just down to way back, you couldn't even remap buttons on a game. No. It's like, this is the aim button, this is the shoot yeah. button, that is Good it. Good fucking luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you, yeah, hell, no. I mean, a while ago, you didn't even have invert, um, invert viewpoint. No, you didn't. So, like, a game decided it was either, like, what I call native, where if you want to look to the top right, you push the button to top right, or it was flat mode. Where yeah. if you want to look down, you push the stick forward because you you're, like, forward, like you're yeah. driving a, like a, a flying a plane sort of thing yeah. um but we're allowed to customize that you can customize the x and y and you know x and y axis so if yeah. you want to look left by pushing right you can do that too so some people's brains man so yeah i think um it's going to be about like just crazy uh, levels of customization awesome. you can play it the way you want to play it yeah okay and yourself i mean do you do you think there's likely to be um, the one controller to, to fit them all. To rule them all. Yeah. No, I, I think that um, controller identity will slowly dilute over time as, as, you, as like you say, <clears throat> gaming gets sort of um, uh, democratized through yeah. cloud gaming and we have more and more titles and publishers entering the cloud gaming space, yeah. whether that be Stadia or 
I guess other um, uh, uh, other platforms that may prop up um, in the next couple of years, you know, in opposition to uh, to Stadia, all kind of trying to create their own mm. controller, trying to create their own brand brand identity. I do think that um, PlayStation and Xbox are here to stay in terms of their um, their design. Their design. I I expect the PlayStation Five controller to look very similar to this PlayStation One controller. I mean, this is the four you're holding your hands yeah. now, and it still looks similar to the one. Yeah, like it's yeah. they've you know they, they they took a kind of paradigm. Still like these these thingies over here on this side, the the way that the controller is put together, it's, sure, it's a bit more ergonomic. It fits into the hand a bit better, but yeah, I expect it to be. Quite similar. Yeah, look, I mean, minor tweaks. They've added the what this the motion pad here on the front. They've got the yeah. speaker, so like some games, you know, you hear a bit yeah, coming out. It's actually side. shocking it's every so often cool. when like you haven't played a game that has that, and after a while, like suddenly these sounds come out of the remote. One um, of my favorite controllers of all time, I guess, would have to be the um, Sega Mega Drive six button ABC yeah, yeah. XYZ. Because it gave you that crazy advantage of your sisters. Dude, yeah, once and like I just have so many like fond memories yeah. of, of of that controller. And then um, the other thing that uh, we we didn't really touch on is just like the market for customized controllers. Mm. Guys putting, <clears throat> you know, the skin of their favorite soccer team or favorite, you know, games that they played or like, you yeah. know, I mean, how often Custom- will they Custom come up and like, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're not even talking about, you know, <coughs> Xbox or PlayStation coming up with, you know, he has a gold controller, he has a red one, he has a rusted crimson one, whatever, like all those different stuff. We're just talking about like, Guys who do, hey, you want bullet casings for your, you know, your, what's his name, your buttons instead of the regular buttons? Hey, you want gold inlay? Hey, you want your name written on the front? Yeah. <clears throat> they do all that. And that's a massive market. And I think that's where people want that. I mean, yeah, we do it in game all the time with cosmetic items. Why would you, why would you not want your controller to like, you know, personify you, you know? So, um, you know, you, everyone's got that standard black playstation 4 controller mm. but you go to mate's house and you want the swag of rocking up with your like fully chromed yeah, uh, yeah. bullet casing you know controller yeah so massive market for that and i think we'll see more and more of that going forward cool sounds like um we've uh, spoken about controllers enough <laughs> yeah. if you've got a favorite controller uh, let us know um we, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that i'll, I'll check up the question on, or if on. you have uh, any sort of uh, fun memories or interesting stories or tidbits to do with uh, you know controllers you throw your remotes oh and man that's the other tv thing. and smash it with the wii how many yeah. videos have you watched on the internet of people like <laughs> not putting on the straps <laughs> Playing Wii Bowling and throwing it right through the television. Like, yes, oh, dude. <laughs> the best compilation of that. <laughs> uh, it happened in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, thanks again for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, Y'all across the world, even you Moroccans. Uh, especially you Moroccans. Maybe even especially. And so uh, we'll see you again next week with uh, more exciting gaming news and our opinions on other things gaming. Uh, until then, cheers. The Gaming Guru Podcast. He's in the best gaming podcast in the world. Guru Baby.